1: hey everyone before we go into this week's episode we want to spend a little time to talk about our proud partner 80.lv it is the best place for game developers digital artists animators video game enthusiasts cgi visual effects talents to learn about new workflows new tools and a way to show your work it's a great resource to evolve and develop your pipeline be sure to check out 80.lv whenever you can if you are a fan of the podcast and would like to support us, please go to our patreon.com forward slash game dev unchained. It's a way for us to expand, explore, and experiment new ways to interact with listeners and make things interesting. So jump over there, support us any way that you can. Greatly appreciate it. It helps us unlock some new goals. And make Dev Unchained bigger and better. If you want to interact with other listeners, please go check out our Discord channel. You can find our Discord access through our main website, www.gamedevunchained.com, among other things. Do you like free stuff? Well, enter into our monthly raffle. This January, we're giving away free games from our previous guests. The way to enter is very easy. Just share a link or a post or your favorite episode on any of our social media channels like Facebook or Twitter. Tag us and then you're in. It's as simple as that. No string attached. That's it. Let's jump into this week's episode.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome back boys and girls This is Larry Charles, one half of the Game Dev Unchained podcast team And if you know your math, you know that half, me being one There's obviously another person on the other end of the microphone And this guy has the best recipe for toast, Mr. Brandon Fam.
1: I do have the best recipe and I ain't telling So this is Brandon Fam <laughs> with a special guest Eating toast with me right now,
0: Teddy Bergsman. Hey everyone! Hey Teddy, welcome! <laughs> Thank you so much.
2: All right, glad you could join
0: us, man. I'm glad to.
1: You're you're all the way from uh, Sweden right now. Is that yep. time zone you in? Yeah. All right. Dark,
0: Perfect. Dark cold Sweden.
1: <laughs> well, this is a moment when we uh, ask our guests to share a little bit about their background, where they are now, just a little bit of their resume, just to introduce yourself to our listeners out there.
0: Okay, sure. Um, you could say I'm a computer graphics nerd. I've been mm-hmm. doing it since I was around 10. Uh, mostly wow. because my stepmom was was a graphics artist and worked in the games industry. So uh, she she showed me uh, a lot of the cool stuff back then. And uh, I got pretty much hooked. And I've been trying to, to learn uh, all about computer graphics ever, ever since. Um, so, yeah, like in my... Childhood, I did a lot of like mods. Uh, that's how I spent all my days uh, creating my own games or, or or modifying existing games, mostly Half-Life, Half-Life 2. Um, and uh, when I was 19, I, I joined a Swedish studio called Starbys. Uh They, back then, did uh, a game called Riddick. And uh, eventually, I got to work on a few other titles, uh, like the, the Darkness and syndicate and some born game, um, worked there for about four and a half years. And, uh, yeah, then I, 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 wanted to, to start my own company. Uh, I was really into creating tools for artists. I, I did a lot of tools for myself and eventually I got to do a lot of tools for, for the, the artists at Starberries, And I just saw this opportunity to, to bring some new ideas, uh, to kind of the the global market, and uh, that's kind of been what I've been doing since. Um, it's just a ton of fun, and I uh, I I don't see myself stopping anytime soon. Right. What's 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 this little company that you? you made? <laughs> the company is uh, Quixel.
2: Hey, uh, uh, yeah, I heard of that. one or two of us might have heard of that company.
1: <laughs> I'm just kidding. And what year was this when you, you finally started um, branching into your own company?
0: So this is 2011, just oh, wow. just the beginning of 2011. Uh, so me and a couple of colleagues, we had been talking about it for, for a couple of years, actually. Um, but yeah, right at the end of 2010, that's when we kind of pulled the trigger uh we started taking you know these uh, courses like learn how to make your own business <laughs> <laughs> yeah. it was actually quite helpful like yeah. sweden yeah sweden has some pretty good systems and it didn't cost a thing um yeah. and you got to learn a, a lot and, and meet some pretty good uh business owners and stuff like that so that was that was fun
1: was there, like, subsidized kind of programs for, for making your own business? Yeah. Encouraging. Okay.
0: Exactly, yeah. So, so, so uh, they taught you everything about, you know, the, the basics of running a business. Like, how do you start it up? Uh, uh, how do you make a business plan? And they had all of these CEOs from, like, famous Swedish companies coming in and, and you know, telling their story. And uh, yeah you you uh you just had a lot of fun. You paid them like 50 bucks deposit yeah. mm-hmm. that you got back when you-
3: God. <laughs> <laughs> it's
1: just enough <laughs> to make it legal. But exactly. it said you, for them to start teaching said you. they get it back.
0: It's,
2: it's, <laughs> they get
0: it back. Yeah. Oh my god. Yeah. We got it back.
2: <laughs> uh my question for you is you said you got it started around the beginning of 2011. So yeah. we're coming into 2018. That's just about your co- you're probably closing in on 7 years doing business. Yeah. Yeah, were there any major lessons that you learned that you were prepared for in the Swedish business classes?
0: Oh, no, not. <laughs> uh, I, I couldn't prepare for anything. Uh, it, it, it was um, it was quite uh, hectic seven years i'd say yeah, uh, okay. th- uh I-, I did know that that you know starting your own company it's it's going to be a lot of responsibility a lot of pressure a lot of uh you know giving up on on social life etc mm-hmm. and uh, yeah that's essentially what i did for for like five years straight uh which is working 24 7 didn't have a single you know, day of vacation uh, and so on mm-hmm. but uh Again, it, it it's, you know, it's it spawned out of a passion and passion goes a long way. Yeah. <laughs> uh, but I guess what I didn't prepare myself for was that, you know, doing something that I really, really loved, uh, like 24-7, would actually, you know, take some kind of toll on you in the end. Uh, like, uh, I didn't find that, you know, uh, like work-life balance that s- let people s- talk about balance i'm trying to find out um but uh so so that kind of you know as you guys uh, i'm sure i'm sure you've experienced similar things but but you know you you get a little bit fatig- fatigued uh, uh, in the end um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. and uh, so i kind of had to take a a little break uh, a couple of weeks just recharge and and then just reevaluate uh, like how, how i'm gonna approach this uh, because in the beginning we were basically just two guys mm-hmm. uh so it was me uh and vakar azim um who also worked at starbase he was um he, he worked with me uh developing scanners for them. Uh, we mm-hmm. did facial scanning. Uh, so we, we scanned a lot of the, the actors that, that uh, came in to, to perform for the games, etc. cetera.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Um, but he was, uh, he was uh, like an uh, electronical engineering genius. <laughs> oh, wow. uh, and he already ran his own company uh, in Pakistan, where he's from. Uh, he had an outsourcing studio with, with close to 100 employees. Damn. And so that's kind of what opened up my eyes to this entire, you know, running a business thing. <laughs> mm-hmm. So um, yeah, uh, it was just us two. Uh, he went back to Pakistan, uh, and I stayed in Sweden. So he started working on uh, developing the, the hardware concepts that that we uh, that we designed for for uh, all of our scanners, and I stayed mm-hmm. back here and, and did all of the programming for. Kind of the the tools that we wanted to release to, to the public, like our Tools, uh, but also kind of our own internal tools for you know processing all the scan data and building this uh, uh, massive service. What 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 came to be uh, MegaScans. Mm-hmm.
2: And did you guys know from the start? Like, I know your 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 goal was to deliver Art Tools, but was the Quixel Quixel Suite like was that the day one idea, or was it maybe a smaller project first that kind of grew into bigger projects?
0: actually it was it was the other way around the the, the major idea from the very beginning was Megascans, essentially to create like mm-hmm. the, the world's largest scan library um gotcha. because there, back then there were really no no good like standardized content libraries for for artists yeah. with, with really high quality content There were like you know texture like photo texture libraries and, and things like that but that was already getting a little bit outdated yeah. so we wanted to new to the table um oh, yeah. And the, the Quixel Suite uh, that that came out of uh, a number of of like smaller tools that I had made for for myself uh, in my spare time, and uh, and I, I thought like, you know, automation is something that I, I really wanted to to bring more into the the games industry because obviously when you automate more of the tedious things, you you can you know spend a lot more time being creative. So. I thought, you know, hopefully uh, these tools can can become popular enough for us to kind of sustain ourselves and, and keep building uh, the Megascans library. Hmm. And, I mean, initially we thought, you know, building that library would, you know, take three years, which, hmm. you know, already sounded like a, you know, almost insurmountable task. But uh, it ended up being like six years. Mm-hmm. Uh, so during these six years, you know, apart from, from, from like building the teams and the pipeline for, for, for the scanning stuff, I had to kind of also release new tools and new iterations, uh, to, you know, sustain ourselves because we, we always wanted to do kind of maintain this, uh, independence, which I feel is is super important having worked with a lot of publishers, knowing kind of how that affects, uh, your creativity. So that's kind of where we're at now. So Megascans, we just released uh, the beta version for like a, a year ago and, and the final version uh, about three months ago. Mm-hmm. And by the way, sorry guys, if, if there's going to be some noise in the background, I'm at the office and, and people are just starting to, to drop in, so no we way. might hear oh, some, no, some guys no saying hi. No, yeah.
2: <laughs> just tell Sounds them to speak into the mic when they say hello.
1: <laughs> <laughs> yeah, don't be real. So, so man, the the that's crazy. Uh, as an artist in the industry for the last decade, um, anyone that's listening that's been in the game industry knows like. When it comes to generation jumps, it has always been either about texturing or lighting, right? That's bringing mm-hmm. us from normal maps to to, uh, to PBR or, or uh, vertex lighting, the bake lighting, to, to now real-time lighting. Um, so, like, it really is about pushing the industry forward when companies like yours are coming up with tools and ways and techniques to make things easier and looking better and more realistic like with the skin It's so interesting to hear that you guys kind of did the uh, reverse um, uh, where you always have this idea where skins are right now, but you have to do all this other stuff to maintain the studio, to build up to it, to finally be able to get to that point where you can you know, realize your your ultimate dream. So that amazing foresight is what probably <laughs> separates Larry and I from you. <laughs> to be able to see where the industry is needs to be headed or is heading mm. Mm. and to innovate. It's like it's so hard and very rarely people in any industry can think that like that. Like you 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 kinda like um I know you don't feel this way because you, you put your blood and guts in into it, but the Quixel Suite, when it released, was a game changer. Uh, you know, we were just using Photoshop by itself before, right? But the Quixel added this extra layer to it that made texturing, uh, the whole methodology of texturing different, like the automation that you were talking about. Um, was that just something that, you know, while you were at Starbreeze, you were seeing with the industry? It's like, why are we still using just photoshop for texturing and really nothing has changed that much um Mm. uh until quixel came out um and let's say the industry's been around for like 20 30 years right well
0: well first of all (laughs) thank you so much that was uh was (laughs) some very kind words (laughs) i um... uh real yeah (laughs) well uh yeah actually When I started SREs, I was I was pretty young, uh, naive. It was actually my first job ever. I had done done some freelance uh, on my own up until then. Uh, So I was completely isolated and I only had my own pipelines and uh, at least for for me, I I always try to you know just be as efficient as possible because obviously when you're on fl- freelance, uh, you know money's tight and and you gotta be. So uh, starting at stories, uh, I could kind of see that, like you said, the the same workflows that have been around for you know ten years were still, you know basically the workflow. Um, mm-hmm. So, so this the same things that I saw you know m- my my mother or stepmother using like 10 years back was still what the, the artists were using there but just creating high resolution things
3: yeah mm-hmm.
0: um, and so that was a little bit of uh a revelation to me uh, especially then understanding that well actually this is not only how it is here at Starbreeze, it's it's how it's you know generally across the across the industry so that's when I started thinking that oh man i, I maybe i should i should uh, try to make something uh out of these ideas um and and get them a little bit more widespread and and so I actually started by uh by developing uh these prototypes uh in my spare time and introducing them to my colleagues at Starbreeze. Mm-hmm. um so this was around like two thousand seven two thousand eight and um people initially i think were quite uh, shaken by that idea that mm. uh, you know because in a sense it, it, it <laughs> infringes on on like uh, yeah. artistic integrity you're introducing uh, right.
2: change too
1: yeah especially the older developers we've been doing this for <laughs> i'm not gonna learn a new program too <laughs>
0: well <laughs> I I shouldn't say that, you know, they they weren't willing to, uh, Mm. to, you know, learn new new things or anything like that. But, you know, from their perspective, here comes this, you know, 19-year-old kid. (laughs)
3: Yeah,
1: I'm telling you, (laughs) this is how we do it.
0: Yeah, like, okay, mom, uh, you've been doing it wrong. (laughs) Yeah, like, not, not a single day's experience in the games industry. Uh, (laughs) so i could totally see their point of view and obviously back then for them it was just talk they didn't really see any results so i and that kind of motivated me quite quite heavily to you know show 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 people that it's actually fully possible to 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 reach the the same level of quality and even higher but through Mm -hmm. through really trying to automate your work and like taking everything that you put into one single thing but making it into presets so you can, you know, save all of that time for later uh, and, you know, just keep building on that. That was the entire uh, foundation mm-hmm. for these tools. And actually, so <laughs> I was given the opportunity by by the CEO and producers of Starbase to to make a presentation for the company. Mm-hmm. like so yeah you just show how, how how your tools work uh it would be great if you could have a first prototype that could be running in real time etc so people can see it working okay. and so i just put my heart and soul into it and for me i i really didn't know where to start uh in terms of presentation so i just started downloading all those uh all tons of like different content from from our like perforce servers different spaceships guns characters and so, for each case, I started evaluating. So, okay, so can this be, you know, efficiently recreated in this tool set? And if so, uh, will it look better? Mm-hmm. If not, then obviously it, it's a waste. But So I ended up using three major examples where mm-hmm. I'd seen in our, like, planning tools that, you know, these took maybe two weeks to texture. And then I showed that, oh, well, the texturing tool can actually get you to the same ish level in like one minute. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> and I, well, I was <clears throat> I, I was really like enthused, and I, I I I genuinely thought that people would be super excited. Yeah, throwing up their hands, clapping, hugging. <laughs> yes, but the, like the room was kind of silent. I uh, was <laughs> super nervous. Like, yeah. yeah. Uh, so, but then I started realizing that, damn. Um, I think i think i'm probably stepping on a lot of toes that i didn't yeah, realize um, right because I'm, I'm i'm essentially taking stuff that people had been spending you know their heart and soul into and just saying hey you, you know i can do it better
3: <laughs> mm, mm,
0: mm. Uh, which was not really the intent at all um, right. but uh, that also taught me like a valuable lesson of, of timing um and also <sighs> Up up until that point, I had been completely isolated, just building this on my own without any external feedback or anything. And and that I feel in retrospect uh, is always a big mistake. Mm. Like from that point on, it was so clear to me that whatever, you know, line of code I write or whatever feature I add, how atomic it might be, it should always be based on feedback and validation of the end user. So I just started talking to all of the artists every day just trying to get into everyone's heads about you know what is their kind of dream tool um, and then just taking it from there um, and, and then it, it, it became just such a like fun experience collaborative mm-hmm. and uh, you know I, I'm just a single person and my ideas are <laughs> uh, often nearly not as good as uh, anyone who's you know been doing this for 10 years straight and and knows the grind and uh, and, you know knows kind of where the value is etc so um that's that's how i've been kind of uh, spending my time ever since like just constantly speaking to to like my fellow artists and uh, and truly trying to understand uh like the definitive need
2: um Mm-hmm. And was that process what kind of helped you start winning them over with your tools, or how was that? How did you eventually bring them to your side?
0: Initially, well, I, so it it took it took about a year actually from that pre- day of presentation until uh, people were you know convinced that this is a workflow that we sh- should start to employ, uh, and that process was simply. Uh, you know, being much more involved and making sure you always sit down with everyone, uh, uh, to ensure that we're on track, uh, and that they get the, the, the user interface the experience and the features that, that they request. Mm-hmm. Um, and, and then it started just becoming a natural part of production. And, uh, I think also during this time it, it prepared me for, for kind of starting my own thing as well, because. Well, in 2007, definitely, I think the the industry uh, was was not uh, at a point where we could start employing those workflows. It, it was too right. much of a of a shock. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Um. But during those, like the, the four and a half years that I worked, sorry, uh, people in general, like across the globe i could see more like i could see more automation becoming part of of different kinds of workflows and the idea uh that automation is a valuable toolset um you know becoming uh more and more frequent uh, mm-hmm. and so i i think we were able to start Quixel at a pretty good time um i, I was so afraid of of a similar backlash when releasing the tools but i was so So incredibly happy to see that you know people really appreciated them in a sense that i hadn't anticipated uh i i I didn't really know what to expect whatsoever i i thought well i I spent you know six months of my of of my life uh, now uh, building this commercial product Probably no one will will like it.
3: <laughs>
0: so, but it was it was fun and it was, a, it was a good learning experience. And then I can try to figure out what to do next based on on the feedback that I will get. But it, it turned out to to be, become uh, adopted, which was incredibly inspiring. And that's what kind of led into this, you know, seven year nonstop, uh, uh, you know, just. Mm building new stuff all the time out of pure joy. Like, it's mm-hmm. so fun. Like, it's so, so fun. So I, I
1: kind of like to uh, relate you to... You were pretty much an indie developer, and we talked to a lot of indie developers, and um, uh, how the of course you you took the hero's journey i feel like you're of course the successful indie developer that went off doing his own thing and then you guys are doing your mega scans you're doing well everyone knows who you are um so you have a, a successful software out there that everybody pretty much uses um the first two years and three years of when you finally you know what made you uh say that you're ready to explore this full time you know the the what made you jump from Starbreeze to doing this? You know what? What level of preparation did you guys do uh, to finally call it like, all right, let's just do this? Uh, and then finally setting things up. You know, going through the uh, uh, business development for idiots course in Sweden. <laughs> you know, you know how much that really helped. And then reality. You know, if you can kind of walk us through like the first two years of when you finally went to do this full time, and how what, that was like. You know, in a brief way i don't want you to completely <laughs> spend <laughs> day by day day five i didn't eat, uh day 18 you know all that stuff it would be great to hear about
0: oh absolutely um i think the hardest part was the mental preparation um really you know feeling ready to take the leap uh I, I think that process probably took me around two years uh, be, be, because I, I I really loved working at surveys. Um I loved my colleagues. I loved the projects that we were working on. It was a lot of fun, and uh, you know I, I could have seen my myself working there for you know another ten years uh, easily. But at the same time, there was this was this really big urge to tried to present uh, some of the ideas that were now exclusive to stories to the rest of the world uh, I really thought that that these things should not be just locked into a single space um, um. and w- one key thing was was kind of like my colleagues they they were super encouraging uh, I owe so much to. To my friends at service because for instance uh, the, there was this one guy uh philip klevestov uh, he, some people may know him by the name of philip k he, he works at uh, blizzard these days and he's one of the senior artists behind uh, overwatch uh, oh, really? and he was actually the reason that i uh, i had the guts to 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 leave star and, and and try to start my own thing Mm -hmm. because I was developing like an early version of Endu back then in my spare time and he Mm -hmm. he was uh, the main contributor to to Endu in terms of feedback because because one day uh, after work uh, he he came by my desk and he saw me using this uh, goofy looking like normal mapping thing in Photoshop and he was asking like hey so so what's that and "Ah, it's it's just uh, it's just uh, like a, a normal map script that I'm trying to to make for myself because I, I wasn't really that good with with Maya
3: mm-hmm.
0: because back then we we, we modeled everything uh, and I just thought this takes so much time like doing everything in 3D to to have it in in 2D at the end of the day it's just a, it's it's right. wasteful in a sense um, so I tried to develop a tool to, to make that process simpler and more artistic in a sense mm-hmm. and he said oh that looks pretty interesting. Could I try that out? And so I I gave him the code and that that was like unleashing the Kraken because (laughs) every day he would like write me like long lists of feedback and features. Um, And he was just so uh, like pushing and and excited. And uh, he was like, yeah, you know, you should totally release this on on Polycount or something. Uh, Mm -hmm. And, I really didn't want to because I thought it was crap, <laughs> and uh so one day, he uh, like one morning he he came up to my desk and he said, "So Teddy, you got to release that that uh, tool on Polycount now." I'm like, "Why? Well, because I I made a tutorial and I'm I'm I published it and I put it on Polycount, so now people are waiting nice. on the tool." <laughs> <laughs> So you better come up with a name and and, and release it. Wow, so, that's a, that's a good that's awesome.
2: like sneaky motivation move by a friend, I must say.
0: Yeah, I I love Philip. Like he's uh, uh, he's great. So um, so I did uh, I did release it. Um, I I just that's also the 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 reason behind the goofy name of of Andrew. Like because I had like literally thirty seconds to decide Not on anything. <laughs> So I thought like, uh, N for normal and do for, you know, you do normal. So N do. Okay. Let's go. Uh, <laughs> there you have it. <laughs> released on our podcast.
1: Game Dev Unchained exclusive. <laughs> I didn't really knew know that that was the meaning, uh, up to this point. Yeah.
0: Yeah. Again, yeah. like don't judge. It's like 30, 30 seconds of <laughs> <liberation>. Smart. <laughs>
2: there we go. Well, let me ask you this really quick. If you had time, you know, did you, or, okay. I'm not even going to ask <laughs> if you had time, but like, after you released it with the name ended were you like oh dang this would have been such a better name but because i've already gone with this
0: yeah i mean i, I had like <laughs> tons of better names that i would have <laughs> chosen for it i've repressed all of those memories now though so. oh, <laughs> I, didn't, I didn't mean to open up some uh some repressed yeah,
1: open up wounds. yeah
0: but it was actually the same for, for megascans like when we were developing the project we didn't really know what to call it. I think mm-hmm. internally we call it like scan mass, like mm-hmm. uh, it's because it's massive amount of scans, like. Worst name ever. Uh, yeah. And then we were going to GDC, and we were, I think, having our first booth. And we were thinking, oh, we gotta, we gotta show some of, of of this scanning service. And so we had to kind of come up with a name on the spot. And again, it was like the night before. I had to, go, oh, I gotta make a logo <laughs> and I gotta come up with a name.
2: Bill <laughs> came back around, did another tutorial. <laughs> <laughs>
0: yeah, exactly, yeah. <laughs> So it's usually like that, actually. Like a lot of things happen, like last minute, like mm-hmm. some of the most important things, which is a little bit scary.
2: I will say, though, that Megascans is nail on the head for a name plus search engine optimization. That's right, like right. a win-win right That's there. A good
0: name. Oh, well, thank you. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but, uh, yeah, it's, I, I guess um, having that tool released out in, like in the wild, Endu uh, mm. gave me a lot of courage because the well, the people at Polycount were also extremely encouraging, mm. and yeah. uh, like, like it was being spread around outside of Polycount, and it really like took on a life of its own. And uh, all of a sudden, I started seeing studios using it, and uh, one studio actually like they donated like a thousand dollars just because they 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 thought it was a valuable tool for them and i i, I was uh, shocked <laughs> mm-hmm. um and uh all of those things kind of you know built that confidence that okay well maybe there is a market and mm. uh, i started you know getting to know people outside of starbreeze and you know pinpointing people who could be you know great you know beta testers etc and uh, yeah, I, I think that the community, more than anything, was the biggest reason why I chose to leave Starbucks together with Vakar, because um, mm-hmm. we, we we felt this strong sense of backing, uh, and um, yeah, the, <clears throat> the first six months they were you know gruesome in a sense because mm-hmm. we 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 had no savings whatsoever. Right. Mm-hmm. There was, a, you know, only, you know, eating gruel and uh, sitting in a basement and not seeing the, the light of day. Uh, and, uh, but, but just being in this kind of creative high, uh, trying to, in a, you know, in a really short amount of time, create something completely new, you know, it's, it's, it's a challenge that's, you know, extremely exciting. Mm-hmm. Uh, so, so I, I remember so clearly, like I had like in in december of, of 2011 i was going to buy some christmas presents uh for for my siblings and realized uh, <laughs> man i i actually don't have any money left now like, i have zero okay. in my account well, what am People i going to toilet
1: toilet paper rolls to it's useful yeah <laughs> it comes in packs <laughs> <laughs>
2: Well, yeah. actually, I have a really interesting question that I didn't think to ask a little earlier, but I'm assuming that we already know the answer to this because they sounded like they're very supportive of the process. But did you have any issues with Starbreeze wanting to take ownership while you developed it in-house? Mm-hmm.
0: Uh, no, actually, uh, because everything uh, that I ended up doing at Quixel, uh, it was things that I had only been doing in my spare time, really. And uh, 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 I had been, you know, showing stuff to people at Starbase and I had been kind of borrowing the tools to the guys there, but uh, it was not something uh, that they owned in that sense. And right. at the end of the day, it didn't really matter anyways, because what I did in Quixel was, you know, completely different in many ways from what I did at Starbase. Uh right. There's like not a single line of code that, that's, you know, the, the same or uh, anything like right. that. So. Uh, it wasn't really a problem however mentally for me it was really hard for me to go back and visit my service uh because right. i had this uh, i don't know what what you call it but uh, like for for the first uh, you know 6 months to a year i really didn't feel like i could go back until i had you know actually done something yeah uh, right and I just felt this... Huge, ego. Yeah, no, <laughs> not, not the ego, but, but shame, well, in a sense. Right, like, go, because go, I left, right. uh, left a great team behind. And, yeah. uh, you know, people that I really enjoyed working with. And right. if if I didn't have anything to show for it, then right. I, I felt, you know, just uh, like what, a failure. <laughs> disappointing
1: everybody. Yeah. yeah,
0: Yeah. So it was only until a year later that I actually went back. Uh, and I had once you know run so so many scenarios in my head of of it being such a painful experience in my, i i don't really know why I, I thought it would be painful, but when when i when I went back it was it was so relieving just to meet everyone again and to show myself in public because I had just been locked away for the longest time
3: <laughs> right.
0: and uh that was it was great I got a great like peace of mind uh in a sense and and some of them had had you know started using and do, uh, mm-hmm. uh, in production. Mm-hmm. And that was, that was a lot of fun to see. Uh, mm-hmm. also gave, gave me that confidence to, you know, keep on pushing and, um, yeah, but I, I guess those were kind of the first three years, like two years of, of just anxiety, uh, and mm-hmm. trying to build the courage to, to leave and, and then mm-hmm. one year of just pushing super hard, uh, mm-hmm. and trying to establish kind of a foundation for, <laughs> for a company that, uh, I I imagined would, uh, grow into a pretty sizable company because it it has to, to, to be a big team. If we're going to build something like, like mega scans, um, and that was a huge, huge challenge, uh, and,
2: um, yeah. Well, let me ask you this: um, Where do you say you guys were along your company's lifespan when you broke even for the first time? It's like, all right, the time, everything that we've dedicated to this, right at this moment, I feel like, okay, we're we've broken even, you know, and and then from this point on, it, it's it's I'm all in. Is it should be profitable as a business?
0: Um, well, we were very lucky. Because after six months, Endo was was done, and mm-hmm. up until that point, obviously, I, since I didn't have any money, I you know I couldn't pay myself. Yeah. <laughs> so mm-hmm. uh, uh, releasing that product was only like profit <laughs> uh, mm-hmm. in, a, in a sense. Um, and uh, I mean, I, I should not say it was hugely profitable, but it was profitable enough for us to to you know do our first hire, which was a guy called Victor Erman Mm-hmm. uh wow. was a f- fantastic fantastic artist who who worked at a uh, another swedish company called ubisoft massive hey mm-hmm. and uh
3: really,
0: yeah. <laughs> they were making some pretty cool stuff and yeah. uh he was a very active part in our community and always creating stuff with with endo and uh, just the most beautiful scenes that i had ever seen and we started talking a, a lot and we came as friends like online we never right. met but but uh really you know took a liking to each other and uh, like we're the same age and kind of grew up in, under the same circumstances so there was a lot of um camaraderie that, that bit up quite quite fast yeah and so so, so, so as soon as we got you know s- s- some money i i knew from the very beginning that victor would be our first hire because i i didn't want right. it to be a programmer i didn't want it to be like a some business guy or marketing or whatever, it, it, it should be an artist who just mm. continually, you know, continuously can use the tools, give feedback full time and also just be kind of a voice for the company right. and, and show, and show the rest of the world a little bit what's happening. Right. And uh, so Victor has been absolutely instrumental, uh, I'd say. Um, and then uh, we, we kind of continue that tradition. Like the first five hires of the company was only artists. Mm-hmm. Uh, and I, uh, in retrospect, I'm not sure if, if I should have done it differently. It was still just just me programming, and that was a lot of work. But yeah. uh, but still, I I don't think I would have gotten as you know valuable feedback. And uh, yeah, I don't know how, how else I could have done it. To be honest,
1: right? I mean, the the, the first primitive years that is always just finding. You know, you might have an initial idea. You might have a, a good idea even. Mm-hmm. But I, what we talk to people about, it's always like you're kind of still etching out, you know, f- fully realize this thing as a, a, a full product, right? So like well, having, having the, the, the money behind it to, 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 to take the time to actually figure it out is one key aspect, but also having the patience to, to see, you know, where this thing will go and take you. Is also another thing. So the first five hires being artists, I think, was really smart because it is an artist's tool. You know, uh, you need to figure out, you know, what do artists needs? Are uh, you know, what the artists' needs are. And as a tool programmer, right, you kind of need feedback to kind of just continuously uh, build out a product. Yeah. Um,
0: you know, I think so it's a like, it, yeah, like it, it, I kind of felt like I, I had turned to the dark side in a sense because. <laughs> I was not really a programmer. I, mm. I, you know, I started out as an artist, uh, and I, I kind of had to learn programming to,
1: to even to, better. <laughs> That's the best programmers yeah. that I work with, who understands us because they are us. So,
0: but I still, I, in many ways, I I kind of feel like a fraud because I'm not a programmer. <laughs> <laughs> I that that. I'm not a programmer
2: well i'll say this i think you're exactly the type of programmer that needs to be programming art tools because i found even as not an artist what i've seen and used a lot of software is that other artists use or just even in my own hobby times i could tell that it was like a team of engineers who probably didn't talk to any designers or artists just made this incredibly functional but not even close to into ugly ass
1: <laughs> UI <laughs>
2: <laughs> just <laughs> barely
1: like, able to chug yeah type of thing
2: yeah <laughs> anyway well I uh, I think we should transition into the future and like what's cur- what you guys are currently doing and what's you know on the way but mm-hmm. as a great segue how about we do a little bit of a game Ooh. Teddy yeah I'm sorry I can't treat you any different uh, we play a game with every guest that comes on the podcast it's called uh, the fast five i'm going to ask you five rapid fire questions and i need five rapid fire answers you can handle that this early in the morning
0: Ooh, i'll try my best
2: all right question number one what's more fun seagraph or gdc gdc all right question number two favorite movie or game that uses your technology
0: Ooh, hard one jungle jungle book i'd say
2: Oh, that was, yeah. I know what you're talking about. Question number three. This should be easy. What's better, cold pizza or pasta? Cold pizza or cold pasta?
0: A cold pizza. Okay. Uh,
2: what was your favorite game that your stepmom worked on?
0: <laughs> it was a kids game. Uh, it was uh, you. You played. You played this this dog, and uh, she did, did all the artwork and the voiceover. And I played that game all the time. Do you remember the name? Uh I think it was it was a Swedish name. like oh, okay. uh, Helge's aventure like the adventures of Helge.
2: <laughs> that sounds nice. Uh and then the last question was from our previous guest, Mr. Klaus Peterson. I'm gonna change it just a little bit so that it's more applicable to you. But he asks, What is the most efficient way to market your indie software?
0: Oh, uh, art forms, uh, just being being active and, and having people test it out, talk about it, uh, you know, show what what they're creating with it. There's no better marketing than, you know, people creating cool stuff with, with the tools.
2: Wow, I actually, okay, so I'm going to take a moment here to acknowledge that I think this is the (laughs) fastest time (laughs) we've ever had playing this game in the podcast. I'm going to have to go back and check, but I think you're the champ, so I'm just going to to declare you now. Yeah. (laughs) So I need you to do one more thing for me before we turn it back over to the interview section. I need a question for our potential guest for next
0: week. Oh, oh,
2: okay. So it can be anything
0: game or game industry related. All right. Okay, where do you see the game industry being in 10 years? Oh man, this is
2: you're okay, thank you. <laughs> uh most most people are like, oh, okay, hmm. Uh <laughs> that's a tough you know, so you're you're on no, top no, of this, this, man. This dude <laughs>
1: Is super professional, super successful. So <laughs> that's why it's no time to lose. No time which, so this lead that is a perfect lead way to the future uh, and what you guys are doing now. So the uh, you know, photogrammetry, the first time I was aware of it, and you know, I'm behind the curve. Well, I'm like maybe second round of people that knows things. It's like the first <laughs> people are like who sees like you, Teddy, who sees like, all right, the industry is needs to go this way uh, you're the movers and then we're like maybe i'm like middle class second where like first round you know gets the touch of it and then (laughs) the second round well anyways what i'm trying to say is i'm slow (laughs) when it comes to innovation right and the first time we actually i actually came across photogrammetry um was when maybe after uh battlefront one came out and the whole development team touched it and we were doing stuff for world war ii on um Call of Duty, mm-hmm. and that was when you know a, a team member on uh, in our group was like, "All right, we need to look into this photogrammetry stuff. That's the that's the, the future if you're doing realism."
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um, which makes sense, right? The whole up to that point, we were, we were always laughing at the animators with their mocap. <laughs> it's like you guys are, what are you guys even doing? You're not even do you're not even doing work. You just take pictures uh take videos of people <laughs> and uh you just fix up their the crap that doesn't work I was like, ah, oh, very hard right but then uh even then we were exposed on the art you know uh and animators are artists yeah. i'm just saying on the uh the the real artist side <laughs> no i'm saying characters were doing you know like you said head scans and you know they yeah. were taking um uh, images of characters to use in game for mocap and all that stuff. But I never still related it to, you know, what it could do for props and environment mm. or anything until uh, Battlefront, until uh, we were researching for War II. And so, and but you said you had this idea from the very beginning, right? Before any of that. And that makes sense if you're innovating. Um, so was it like what led up to that type of thinking? Um, you you said originally you had three years to kind of build up to that, but you know it stretched out, mm. of course, five to seven years before you can build up the library to mm. to release.
0: Yeah, I um I started getting into scanning when I was around sixteen. Uh, mm-hmm. That's I think it was you know I had spent like six years at that point uh, like trying to learn about computer graphics and just having a lot of fun creating assets. Uh, right. And I started to become like,
1: six years meaning from ten years old to sixteen. Yes,
0: right? uh, exactly. <laughs> this guy <laughs> so modest. Are you crazy? <laughs> I mean, Larry and I weren't doing shit at <laughs> ten to sixteen. But on, right. on the flip side, i yeah. wasted my life.
1: <laughs> <laughs> no, not at all, man. Uh, that was incredible. Yeah,
0: but uh, like I started to become like super nerdy about fortiorism. I I I really yeah. wanted to learn how to. Know, t- translate something from the real world into the computer and, and, and make it look like in the real world yeah. mm-hmm. um, and so I started experimenting with with a lot of different techniques uh, for like capturing 3d and 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 textures and all of that jazz and uh, I remember like my the first scanner that I built which I guess you you can't really call a scanner because it, uh, it's uh, like a, a bucket of, of water that I yeah. uh, 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 Put some some uh, a black uh, watercolor into, so you had this mm. kind of contrasty liquid, and then you would lower things into it while filming it with my super crappy like 320, 240 webcam,
3: <laughs> <laughs>
0: <laughs> and you would take that video feed, and I would put it into Photoshop, and then like this is my first experience with like programming in air quotes, like yeah, we do a Photoshop macro that would take each frame, and for each frame, you will kind of get a slice of of that uh, thing that you lowered into Mm -hmm. the bucket and so i would make it like binary so just black and white and assign just a a gray value depending on like where in the sequence the frame was and then you would get a height map and Mm. so from that height map, you could obviously you know derive geometry and that was kind of the first uh like revelation for me that i can actually take something from the real world and put it in the computer how cool like this is this is super fun and then i started uh, like you know trying to find more advanced ways or Maybe not more advanced, but at least higher quality ways of putting things into the computer. Um, and so to me, it was kind of it was it was really clear that one day, in order for for like computer graphics production to be truly efficient, especially when you're talking about creating photorealistic experiences. Scanning will be instrumental in that process. I, I'm sure you know there will be other processes that will trump scanning, uh, you know, uh, down the line. But scanning will have a very, very important uh, place in the industry because it's the it's single most effective way to uh, represent reality. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I guess the biggest challenge was to. Uh, not only uh, get the geometry right but also the the, the material behavior the reflectance um yeah. how everything interacts with light so that was kind of a big journey trying to learn all about optical physics and and um how to translate that into some kind of uh code <laughs> and um i think the uh, the advent of of pbr really helped ignite that even more because mm-hmm. there was there there was actually one point when we had two thousand scans in in the library, and none of them were PBR uh, mm-hmm. because PBR wasn't even a thing like back in two thousand eleven, uh, mm-hmm. and then being like visiting a lot of studios, you could start to kind of hear those early discussions about you know there's, there's this you know new workflow physically based rendering it 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 aims to unify like rendering pipelines and workflows uh and that was so much in line with what megascans was all about like it's all about you know having a super standardized library of things uh that just like the standardization in and of itself will just save a lot of time Mm -hmm. that i just had i realized that Oh man, I just got a. I got to scrap like two thousand scans. <laughs> so much work. I got to go back to the drawing board, and that's also why you know mega scans didn't end up taking three years; ended up taking six years. Right. Um, but uh, I remember like there there were no papers really back then on on physically based rendering. So I, I spent maybe weeks on like ba- my bathroom floor, like just studying surfaces. Like how how do they how do they change like with, with viewing distance and and angle and how does that light really react? And then kind of trying to validate that with, with whatever physics books that I had and uh, just trying to figure out how that entire thing worked. And um, and that was, that was, that was fun. Mm -hmm. But, but yeah, it, it, it started early on. Um, it was also, I think fueled by me working a little bit, uh, alongside the film industry I was never in the film industry but being uh with Starbase and doing a lot of facial scanning uh, I spent a lot of time in LA uh scanning like actors and uh, meeting like directors and director's assistants and so sometimes we went on field trips and one of those field trips we went to a like a old school prop house which is just basically mm-hmm. a huge warehouse where they have props for 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 movies like any era you can think of any type of prop anything from contemporary to sci-fi and um i, I just imagined this thing being available to artists but you know in digitally like mm-hmm. w- why don't we have such a thing because at starbase right. we, we always kind of remade the same props over and over again for new projects mm-hmm. etc and I, I just thought well if there's you know a standardized library of super high quality scans uh we don't have to waste that uh, and redo do that work all over, all over again and the props you know that no one likes doing like who wants to do a rock for the thousand time uh we we, we can try to j- just eliminate that and and so, so you can be a little bit more creative uh on, on a higher level um so, so, so those were kind of the the, the small little uh I guess sparks that ignited this thing for me. I can see
2: when you first kind of unveil this kind of stuff to a room full of artists, they think, oh, man, we're going to be obsolete in a year. (laughs) Make art button. Yeah, but what it sounds like is like, (laughs) yeah, you are giving us the, well, I shouldn't say us. (laughs) You're giving the artist. Larry's the designer. He's trying to pose. (laughs) I'm an imposter. But you're giving the artist more opportunity to just like really spend time on the things that you don't really have photogrammetry for you know like hero pieces maybe or composition and and i guess that kind of stuff does
0: that exactly. am i exactly yeah, no okay. you're, you're you're right on the money <laughs> it's, yeah it's uh, more
1: the create yeah creative stuff
0: it's all it's all about being able to push your creativity because that, that's what tools are about in general like you you speed up yourself to a point where you get all of this free time to to, to start exploring new territory and start pushing your own boundaries and, you know, creating better and better art, becoming a better artist. Um, that, that that was definitely like the driving force behind uh, creating all of these things. Uh, you're absolutely yeah. right.
1: Yeah. We're probably going to be, slowly moving into the design rooms <laughs> <laughs> we're, we're gonna be your automators
2: in the design world well, I'm, I'm, <laughs> waiting, I'm waiting for the automated design stuff like i, I really am it's, yeah but, but i think
0: you, you, you brought up a very important point and that is um the fear of of uh, f- becoming obsolete yeah because that is really uh a, a true fear that that i constantly see everywhere mm. uh and and i i truly understand it as well like y- you have you know a decade of with a certain workflow and all of a sudden there's this entirely new thing that you have to kind of adapt to in order mm. to stay relevant or maybe that thing replaces what you know mm-hmm. and you know obviously that it creates a lot of uh anxiety
3: yeah
0: mm-hmm. uh but what i can say from experience is that i've never in in all my years doing this seen a single person lose his job over a, a new tool coming out or right. or, or a, a process becoming automated it just becomes a catalyst for continuously pushing ourselves and becoming right. better and and making cooler games faster uh more beautiful movies mm. with less you know uh, money spent etc i mean there's uh, there's so many positive effects from new technology that I think people who have been in the industry long enough they they they, they start to to see that as well. But uh, it, it definitely is something that is that is scary. But but if 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 more people could get into the mindset and embrace uh, kind of new technology, I, I would be moving forward even quicker. Because what we have to realize is that we're of, of artists and programmers and engineers and uh designers and we all work together like we're not competing even though we might be creating different games we're still pushing uh, to the same you know for the same thing
3: yeah
0: <clears throat> and we should be more open to the idea of of you know everyone who 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 who, who, who works hard he, he doesn't just work hard for himself he works hard for everyone um so
2: I have a personal question for you, if you don't mind me jumping in. Mm
0: -hmm. How do you handle
2: it or how does it make you feel knowing that you like have a direct hand in kind of shaping some of the tools that help create universes and worlds like both in film and games, you know, like you have a direct impact in what allows people to be more creative or express imagination and bring these ideas into realistic experiences. I mean, that would just be like incredible for me. How does that feel?
3: game-changing
2: uh, and well, artist <laughs> doing
1: the game-changing for once yeah uh,
0: it's it's super exciting humbling. it's a great sense of responsibility in a sense uh, like if there's ever a bug uh, I like I personally feel sick like uh, because I just realized okay so this bug it's now affecting you know tens of thousands of people and they're all sitting in front of the computers and you know moaning groaning like uh, and I I feel uh, a huge sense of responsibility towards building something that is efficient and fun mm-hmm. um, and uh, yeah I, I just <clears throat> to, to me it's it's the most fun part about building tools it's kind of knowing that uh a lot of people uh actually have fun using those tools and seeing then seeing the effect of that uh artistry being kind of uh, uh accelerated in a little uh, in some sense uh mm-hmm. seeing that the games that are put out and the movies uh that that that's uh uh, it's incredibly fun. Uh, but uh, that's also one of the, the factors why I kind of uh, dared to to step out of, uh, outside of, of my comfort zone and leave Starbreeze. Just knowing that you have the opportunity to kind of work on a lot of projects in a sense. Because you get some insights into what different productions need, what they're creating... And it's a finger on the pulse that that I, I almost couldn't live without now. Uh, mm-hmm. And I, I think it's it's so important also uh, in order to to get a sense of where the industry is moving, seeing where the gaps are, and trying to to fill those voids. Mm-hmm. Uh, uh, it's it just a it's a lot of fun.
1: I'll um. I'll follow up Larry's personal questions with my own personal question here. <laughs> uh, and this has to do with um, being young, right? I feel like even today's time in any industry, I feel like a 30-year-old uh, would have an easier way to get into the industry and, and uh, gel with everyone uh, than like a 19-year-old that comes in the industry. Mm-hmm. right? Same same level of experience and everything. Uh, I only say that because, you know, I, I came in the industry – uh, as as a mid level artist, like I completely skipped the junior uh, stuff, mm. and so every every position I've had since, it's like I'm the young guy. <laughs> and so you had an even crazier earlier start, you know, being the 19 year old and getting like you you self educated and everything. Um, and now you're like you know the CEO of a major company and everything. Uh, what advice would you give to? to To pretty much everyone that's kind of going in the industry, and they feel out of place, or uh, you know, are constantly having to be, um, uh, you know, being looked up to, but you know, you, there's a whole like self awareness, and you know, self, uh, what would you call it, Larry? Um, it's kind of touching on imposter syndrome a little bit. <laughs> yeah, the, imposter syndrome. Yeah, exactly. Bit. Like, how, how? What advice would you have? Uh, being a young guy constantly, you're constantly gonna be young <laughs> <even> when, <you're, laughs> when you are old, which is crazy, it's gonna follow you because you probably look pretty young, too right? um,
0: So well, well, I I almost feel like I don't have the right to answer that question because I Strongly feel the imposter syndrome. Like I, I always feel like like I'm not enough and I'm Not doing good enough stuff, so I don't think I've figured out the answer myself but at least what helps for me is uh, not taking everything too seriously. Um, just uh, trying to to enjoy uh, the work and the fact that you're actually doing something that you're truly passionate about and, and trying to focus on that rather on what people might think at the end of the day. Obviously, it's important what people think, but it shouldn't be what worries you. It should perhaps be what drives you. Uh, it, that's a minor distinction might be a bit vague but uh and i think in, in just terms of, of building that confidence uh just throwing yourself out there and, and uh showing everything you do whether it's good or not but just so you can get the feedback knowing how to improve and also get getting the validation for things that, that people actually appreciate i think that's hugely valuable in uh, I have to give mad props to, to to Leonard Teo for for you know building ArtStation and this mm-hmm. extremely extremely valuable community uh, sure. for for artists uh, because it's 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 the best forum for for validation there has ever been for for our mm-hmm. industry. Mm-hmm. Um, so just being present in those forums and and also make sure to. Not only uh, seek validation, but give validation. Whenever you see someone doing a you know good job, make sure to let mm-hmm. him know it because you, you know that you know you have that has a positive effect on you knowing you know that people like your work, and obviously uh, other people will thoroughly appreciate it if, if you give them appreciation. Right. So I, I think that's super important, and it will also boost your own confidence in a sense to to build that sense of community with others, and yeah, just. Just try to, yeah, try 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 not to focus on on uh, the performance aspect of it, and not being uh-huh. good enough. Just trying to uh, try to focus on the fun, and improving. And yeah, That's I'm a perfect answer.
2: Well, I can say this: if uh, Brandon, you have nothing left to say, you know what I'm about to say. You're All right, really good, man. I looked down at my watch. And it says we've been podcasting for over an hour. Teddy, Oh, rapid fire, <laughs> Teddy, champion of the Fast Five. We've been podcasting for over an hour, sir. And so it is at this time that we're going to give you your grand prize. Brandon and I are going to take a moment to step off the mic to let you talk directly to our audience to shout out, to promote. Uh, raise awareness, or just get people involved in knowing a little bit more about something that you're involved in, something that you're excited about, or something that you just think needs a little bit of spotlight right now. So without further ado, the floor is yours.
0: Oh, this is nervous. (laughs) (laughs) Um, Okay, well, first off, I want to take the time to really shine a light on all the people behind Megascans, which is kind of our current major focus. Yes. <laughs> uh, we're about 50 people at Vuxil now, and uh, everyone's pushing extremely hard to to make it, you know, the best it can be. And uh, I think there's... Uh, uh, m- some people might think that scanning is easy, but it isn't. <laughs> it's yeah. It's very hard and people work, you know work hard to, to, to make it happen and I, uh, I want to show you know my appreciation to everyone on the team. Um, then as for, for, for the community, uh, I don't think I can ever you know show my appreciation enough for allowing me and my colleagues to you know try to, to create all of these tools uh i've always felt a tremendous sense of support from the art community be it polycount or art station or you know youtube <laughs> um it it really makes it fun for us to to keep delivering uh and, and keep pushing ourselves and yeah be, be on the lookout for for all things Megascans, we, we launched it a year ago, and a lot of stuff has happened since. So if you haven't checked it out since, you really should. Mm-hmm. Right now, um, we're releasing uh, up to 100 new scans per day. Wow. Um, Damn! <laughs> and it, it's, it's only going up. So um, we're only focusing on adding stuff that you uh, guys uh, request. So if, if there's something that you really think is lacking, just let us know, and we'll make sure to, to put it in there. That's what it's all about. Uh, super excited to release some uh, tools around Mega Scans, integrations into all the major softwares, Unreal, Unity, the game engines as well, renderers, uh, tools for, for being more creative with scan data. We're releasing a major uh, software uh, this year. Um, It's uh, going to allow you to uh, create like environment textures uh, a lot quicker than before. And uh, yeah, that's, I guess, what we have in the pipe right now. And uh, thank you for giving me this opportunity to be on the podcast, guys. It's uh, been a lot of fun.
2: It was our pleasure. Seriously. Yeah. And
1: uh, thank you, Teddy. Uh, You guys at Quixel... Always uh, keep me on my toes with my learning. <laughs> Every year, it feels like I'm throwing out everything I've known before. To pick up. Uh, I mean, that's the game industry, it feels like, for artists at least. While Larry over there is just fine with its Excel. <laughs>
2: no one's creating tools for those guys over there. You know, Microsoft something. making all these great game design tools, <laughs> like <laughs> <Yeah>. Office and <laughs> Excel. Revolutionary stuff. Alright. Well, I know over there it's day and over here it's night. It's Larry Charles on saying night. This is Brandon Fam. See you
1: guys next week.
2: Good night and thank you so much.